0: Hi, I'm Madvi Romani. And I'm Rena Grobe. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a new topic or trend so you can stay informed the easy way. Serena, so, what are we talking about this week? Last week it was
1: the election in Italy. And in true Italian fashion, they have elected a fascist. <laughs> I'm laughing. At you <laughs> That's quite a general. <laughs> is it? Sorry, Italy, but you know it's true. Just kidding. Love you. But yes, Italy have a new head of state. Her name is Georgia Maloney. Her party is called the Brothers of Italy, and she's incredibly right wing. She is the first woman to be a head of state, but not the first fascist to be head of state. And this has just been on my mind this week.
0: People have been making a big deal of like, oh, she's a woman, so at least that's kind of good. And I'm like... Girl boss fascism. (laughs) (laughs) It's also interesting that her party is called Brothers of Italy, which just shows you how good she's going to be as a woman for other women.
1: Yes, because I think there's this common misconception amongst people that any woman in power is an advancement for women. But it's like,
0: no, if She's totally holding up the patriarchy. She keeps on repeating these lines like, I am a woman, I am a mother, I am a Christian, and it just shows exactly where she thinks, you know, women should be women, there's no place for, like, trans people, there's no place for, like, lesbian people, queer people, there's no place for any religion apart from, you know, a particular brand of uh, Catholicism. And she's probably going to be bad for abortion, She really likes Orbán in Hungary. They're like besties. He obviously has been terrible for things like abortion. There was also like in the Parliament of Hungary, they released a study about how more women graduates and women in the workplace was actually disadvantageous to men. So that's where Orbán lies and his politics. And she is strongly, you know, with him. And then she also, many, many years ago, I have to say, said that Mussolini was a great politician because everything he did, he did for Italy. Although seemingly at that point, she was ignoring the fact that he raped a lot of women in Italy and killed a lot of Italians.
1: And the fact that he dragged Italy into a war that they didn't want to be in. That was also for the Italian people, apparently.
0: Yeah. And so like, what she's done is since then, because she she was in politics from a very young age, and there was, you know, YouTube video of her just saying like, Mussolini was great, basically. But then, since then, she's trying to distance herself from this sort of fascist connection, but kind of not really. I think, like, officially, sort of, yes, she's not making direct links between, you know, her party and, and Mussolini and fascism, but then she's basically saying God, country and family, which is, you know, the Mussolini slogan, I guess. There are definite echoes of Mussolini, and that's a big problem It should be noted that her party, the Brothers of
1: Italy, was founded by former supporters of Mussolini and uses, I believe, like their logo. So like there are direct ties there to fascism. It's not like they're completely removed from it in any way, shape or form. Also, what I think is super fascinating about her is how prior to the election, she was kind of, she really liked Putin. But since then, she's kind of taken on more of a like a pro-Ukraine stance, which is fascinating.
0: Yeah, before she had said that Putin upheld the values of like Christianity and family in Europe. Since then, that has become slightly problematic. I think that was always problematic, to be (laughs) honest. Yeah, of course. But you were saying about the history of the party, in a similar kind of move the swedes have just elected in the sweden democrats Mm -hmm. which sounds like a really nice name actually but they're also fascist and they also have direct direct links and came out of the neo nazi party in sweden and i think like there was a politician from the sweden democrats who actually said like held which is basically like the siegel yeah and then she said oh you know that's got, not got any Nazi associations. She was just saying that, like, it was a victorious day for them because they won, like, 20% of the vote. Like, in Italy, this party just won 26% of the vote. That's, like, a massive majority of both of these populations, which is very, very far-right, very anti-immigrant, racist, very anti-everything else, of course, like, anti queer, anti-liberal rights. And there are women who are part of all of these movements, which is super frustrating. Yes. One quick thing on Sweden.
1: I feel like people always talk about Sweden as if this was this liberal, wonderful wonderland. And I think that we should just bust that myth right now. Sweden, I'm sure, is, they're lovely people.
0: Not really. I mean, 20% of them just voted no, for far, far, that's far true. right.
1: Yeah. I just didn't want to insult my Swedish friends. I love you a lot. But their society is incredibly split into two between white people and everyone who's not white. It's deeply racist. They have a huge neo-Nazi problem. I mean, as we can see by the election, but even going even deeper than that, like the founder of IKEA has ties to Nazism. He's dead though. Yeah, he's dead, but he still had ties to Nazis. You know, if you look into the history of neo-Nazis in Sweden, they've had attacks, you know, as late as 1999. All these horrific things will like link an entire list of all the horrific neo-Nazis attacks that happened in Sweden. It's a massive problem and it's a really terrible place to live if you're not a white, blonde, Swedish person. And um, people don't talk about that. They act like it's this like wonderful paradise for everyone. I'm like, Yeah, I'm sure if you're a wealthy white Swedish person, it's pretty great. If you're anyone else,
0: terrible. Yes, and there were some really amazing sort of parallels between Italy and Sweden because I think back sort of five years ago or ten years ago, you know, when these like far right sort of neo fascists basically party started everyone was like oh they'll never get any votes they only got four percent of the vote five percent of the votes nothing they're never going to come into parliament and then they got into parliament and then they were like shocked and then everyone was like oh we're never gonna like form a coalition with them and then all of the mainstream parties started taking on some of their rhetoric and legitimizing them and started like taking on some of their policies to try and maybe take away votes from them but it did the opposite it just legitimized them and now we're at point where everyone was like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, this will never happen, where we have, like, a lot of Europe really very fascist. Like, Hungary has just been voted by the European Parliament to be not considered actually a democracy anymore, which is true, because Orbán has taken away all the opposition and the right of free press and a lot of stuff there, and very anti-queer rights and things like this. And then you've got Poland, which no longer... Let's abortions happen among many other things again queer rights as well women and then we've got now italy then we've got sweden then we've got like still in france you know marie le pen is the main opposition got the vox party in spain yes which is a confusing name because i actually like vox media yeah me too (laughs) but at every single point everyone's been going oh it's not such, such a big deal it's not such a big deal and even now people are like oh, yeah, it's like, she's not really like Mussolini. It's like, yeah, but just open your eyes and be like, yes, all these people who are voting are really racist and there are big problems. It's an indicator of really, really big problems. Definitely. It also should be noted that, like, only 60% of the population
1: in Italy went to vote, which is lower than the election in 2018. So they had a really low election turnout. But, I mean, I think it just, it it shows a, a deeper problem. I was watching a Vice documentary where they went to Italy and they spoke to some young people who live out in the countryside about, you know, why are they voting for Maloney? Why are, why did they vote for Salvini? Why do they want Berlusconi back? Although I don't know if there was anyone that really wants Berlusconi back. Mostly people were supporting Salvini and or Maloney. And one of the things that they just kept talking about was This feeling of there's no hope for the future, there's no changes happening, they don't have any jobs. You know, it's the same thing that we saw with Mussolini or with any dictator, right? Like the country's in a crisis, so they vote for someone or they want someone in power who they think can make changes. And I think that it speaks to a real oversight of liberals and of the left, because I think that the left and liberals are too intellectualized. I mean this in the sense of they're not thinking about who are the people who are the weakest in the society. You know, they're they're not thinking about it in a, in a class structure, in the sense of if there are people who live in small towns, who are out of work, who live in poor living conditions, talking to them about your liberal ideas is not going to get them on board. But someone who comes to them with easy-to-memorize slogans, speaks to their values, is going to win them to their side and presents them with easy targets for their hate and with easy solutions. You're like, oh, you don't have any jobs because the immigrants are taking all of your jobs. That's something really simple that anyone, regardless of their education level, can comprehend. And so it's the classic problem amongst liberals and lefts is that they can't even agree amongst themselves what they want. They quabble amongst themselves. They're so split and divided some of them are a little bit unhinged. For example, like Wagenknecht from the, Die Linke, a completely unhinged woman. Funk just did an infographic where they compared the... I always forget her name. The leader of the AfD, the blonde lady. Her ancestors were Nazis. And they compared her politics, like all the things that they agree on, to mm. the things that Wagenknecht agrees on. And the overlap is really shocking, first of all. Mm. But second of all, you can see on the places where they differ, it's the IFD is offering easy to understand solutions where the Linke is talking about ridiculous things, you know? And you're just like, ugh, you're you're failing to understand how to, but Huh, sorry, I'm not making coherent sense. But I keep thinking, how does history keep repeating itself? We keep running into the same problems over and over again. And how has no one learned? Like, obviously, it's not easy. It's not a simple fix. But like, surely, just like, hey, you have to take all layers of this country into consideration. And how do we address them? How do we address their worries, their concerns? I guess the answer in the end is... No one really cares. Not even the left really cares. Also, for those who aren't listening in Germany, the AfD is the alternative for Germany, which is Germany's fascist right-wing party.
0: Yeah, I think you're onto something because the situation in the world is very, very complicated right now and things are changing and people are disenfranchised and Italy is a mess and also Italian politics is a mess. Like, there's actually no one to vote for also. Like, it's there are many different sort of parties and they're all kind of, like, all over the place. It's not good. Their government keeps on falling apart. And Italy is really doing very badly and it has been for many, many, many years. So I can understand why people vote for someone who's... She speaks very well because she says like, there is dignity in humanity and everyone wants to take away your identity and your dignity and just turn you into a mindless consumer. It's quite a good speech in a way because everyone does feel forgotten and like, you know, they're not important and their identity is not important anymore. And then what she's doing and what they all do is they make this sort of fake enemy to create fear. So that is, you know, the queer people, that is the immigrants. Uh, in Sweden also it's the immigrants and it works because you're using fear and you're giving people very easy slogans and everyone believes in family, not everyone, but you know what I mean? Like, it's very easy. It's like, oh yeah, I believe in family and God, like, I want stability in a situation where things are really changing and we can't understand the big shifts and we do feel like kind of nothing in there. So the right, like you say, really speaks to that. And the left is just like, don't vote for the fascists. But they haven't got a strong ideology, a vision as to what they are standing for. And that's kind of a problem. And also, there's not a simplicity to the messaging. And then, obviously, with democracy, I think there does need to be, because you're trying to speak to a wide group of people, and people are emotional, and, you know, they're they're caught up in their lives. I think you do need to, like, sell them some sort of vision. It's advertising in the yeah. end also
1: in italy it really came down to individual people in the individual constituencies because people want to feel like you care about them right if in your constituency you go and you listen and you offer solutions people are more likely to react to that act of caring people want to feel like you care about them also it kind of echoes back to like what Mussolini did right like when he was popular when he came into office because he had this reputation to the outside of someone who unified Italy and so if Italy is kind of all over the place right now
0: then maybe people are hoping for some sort of stability and unification with Maloney and instead of Blaming terrible bureaucratic systems and government for failing and stuff, just like choosing a group of people, like immigrants to blame, is an understandable and really good way to go. And I feel like that happened also in Sweden. I was speaking to somebody who got Swedish citizenship, who is from Somalia, and he said, actually, the way that the Swedes handled the whole immigration thing was totally incompetent. And so it makes sense that... People looked at it and was like, oh, this is a mess. We shouldn't do that. It was not the fault of, obviously, the immigrants. It was the fault of, like, the Swedes were just not the the bureaucratic systems. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. And then the other thing he said was also, like, what happened in Sweden is you get this, like, kind of ghettoization. So you get, like, people living in certain areas who are all from one certain country or area or all immigrants, all brown people, right? And then he said it's obvious when you go to these areas in Sweden that there are some criminal elements. There just are. And the people living there also don't want those criminal elements, but then also the Swedes are not doing anything about this. They're not handling the situation, right? I mean, it's not really shocking that if you
1: force people to live in an area, cripple their social mobility, their economic ability, and treat them not very well, I mean, people are going to have to survive and make do with the circumstances that they have, right? Like, it's not surprising that some criminal activity has sprung up in this in these areas but it's effective of how
0: they're treated or it could be also the immigration policy i'm not sure why or how or what. but i
1: think that they it's linked right because the immigration policy leads them mm-hmm. to being here and you for put sure. people in a situation and they're going to react in a certain way that's a reality for sure
0: although like it has to be stressed that like obviously most of the immigrants living in sweden are not criminal in any way it's just that it's very easy for people to like spot oh this is the enemy and like actually Meloni did it very well you know, in terms of, like, propaganda. She tweeted this video of an asylum seeker raping someone. It's like, oh my god, like, oh, Italian men are raping people all the time. But that's the thing that you focus on and you hang on to and that becomes the story.
1: Meanwhile, a white Italian man literally killed, strangled an asylum seeker in broad daylight and nobody did anything about it,
0: so exactly it's also interesting because i was in italy um quite a bit last year and there are two things that are striking number one the graffiti Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fascist graffiti in places that tag mussolini specifically which is shocking and number two that people can also like allude to or talk about mussolini in a way with admiration without it being a total taboo and being shut down or argued against in a group i mean it was coming like you could see it i mean i could see it it's mm, shit it's pretty bad <laughs> I'm like what do we do now we've lost another one to
1: the fascists
0: well her economic policies are like all over the place i'm not sure exactly like how they're gonna rule if you know what i mean because on one hand she's like oh there should be a like flat tax but on the other hand she wants to like increase public spending but then also she doesn't want to like go into debt and so On a practical level, actually, running things could be a mess. I don't know.
1: Do you think she might self-sabotage by being an idiot?
0: She's definitely an idiot.
1: No, yeah, definitely. But economic idiot, I guess.
0: She's such a moron. Oh, my God.
1: She's really stupid. I mean, it it is still kind of mind-boggling to me. We, We can talk about Mussolini in the super casual way. Not us, but, like, in general in the world. And that he doesn't have the same place,
0: like, as Hitler amazing because actually he inspired Hitler and once Hitler wrote to him because Hitler was such an admirer of what Mussolini was doing he wrote to him asking for an autograph and Mussolini was like no I I don't think you're important enough to give you even an autograph he was fanboying so hard on Mussolini and took all of his inspiration from Mussolini so we got basically Hitler from approach of Mussolini I actually read Mussolini's The Doctrine of Fascism from 1932 today It's quite funny in places. I mean, it would be funny if it wasn't like real. It's very chauvinistic. There's a lot of man, man, man. So it's like fascism wants man to be active and engage in action with all his energies. It wants him to be manfully aware of the difficulties besetting him and ready to face them. So there's a lot of that. And then it's totally anti-individualistic. So the fascist conception of life stresses the importance of the state and accepts the individual only insofar as his interests coincide with those of the state. So basically, the state decides everything. It decides the entire vision of the country, and then every single individual has to follow that they have a little bit of elbow room but actually not really the state is supreme and it's very cultish oh yeah but all dictatorships are called the cult of personality dictatorships truly are cults so he says the fascist state organizes the nation but it leaves the individual adequate elbow room it has curtailed useless or harmful liberties while preserving those which are essential in such matters the individual cannot be judged but the state only it's mind-boggling to me that the italians are kind of like started to glorify Mussolini again just just given the general attitude and mode and vibe of italians in general have you read captain corelli's mandolin i have not okay So Louis de Bernays, who wrote that book, he writes about how like the Italians are really useless fascists because like all they want to do is just ride around on their motorcycles and shout ciao bella at each other and just be like really loose. Whereas fascism actually requires like rigor and no play or freedom or joy in this. Like it's all about service to the state, right? and so you got Mussolini on one hand but then you had all the italians who were just like also not really doing a good job of carrying out this vision just because they were italian and i feel like a lot of this glorification that's happening in italy like has anyone read this document and after that do they really sign up to it
1: That's fascinating. It makes me think of the Eddie Izzard skit where he talks about fascism. He's like, Italians invented fascisms, but Italians aren't fascism. They're into love and life. And they're, I think he takes it, must take it from that book. He's like, Italians are always on scooters going, ciao. And he's like, no
0: helmet. Mm." (laughs) But exactly, right? And also, I think politics is just such a mess. There's so much corruption. It's such a shame. And you can see actually what a mess Italy is, because actually Italy has a lot of good stuff. It has good food, it has good produce, it has good fashion, and still, all the people are poor. Not all the people, <laughs> so, you know, there are some benefiting, but it's a complete mess. Yeah, and the mystery is, how did they not get become like Germany, like one of the strongest economies in Europe, and it has to be the Italian people <laughs> must be the answer. <laughs> well, I think... I think maybe Mussolini's thing was like, okay, we need to get this country in order. I need to make all the Italians (laughs) Maybe Milan is going to do it.
1: I can see why people would associate fascism more with Germany, because I think in and itself, as a sort of concept, it does feel more German.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give you rules and everyone's going to follow them, whereas you give the Italians rules and nobody follows them.
1: Okay, can I tell you what my favorite line is from the movie, the Lizzie McGuire movie? This is a highly intellectual academic source. So in the Lizzie McGuire movie, she goes to Rome on a class trip and then she falls in love with this guy who claims that he is a pop star. Blah, blah, blah. It's a great movie. And she gets on the back of a Vespa with him and she goes to him, do you know how to drive this thing? And he goes, this is Italy. No one knows how to drive. <laughs> and then just goes. I just think that we honestly as a society need to talk more about Mussolini because I learned about Mussolini in school But we did not learn about all of the shocking things he did in Libya and in Ethiopia. We did not talk about that. And he had concentration camps in Libya. He did horrible things. Like he tried to set
0: up an apartheid
1: state in Ethiopia. He did truly shocking and disgusting things. And
0: when Meloni like stepped back from her comments on Mussolini, you know, obviously in order to be accepted into the mainstream as she is now, she's now a mainstream politician on the international stage. She said, oh, you know, he did make some mistakes for example, what happened with the the Jewish laws that they had, they had anti-Semitic laws before the German concentration camps. And she said also like, you know, joining the war was a big thing also and something else. But nobody mentioned the fact that he literally killed half of Libya's population from his like, absolutely brutal, cruel policies there. And just this this urge to like absolutely rape the country and also with ethiopia what's really funny is like all this anti-immigrant stuff is not about immigration it's just racism right because what he wanted to do if you're so anti-immigration everyone should stay in their own country but then you're also pro mussolini he wanted to get a lot of italian immigrants into ethiopia and then make basically all the ethiopians sort of like slaves and workers for for the italian population in ethiopia and that was his policy there so and then he did this terrible thing where he like mustered
1: mustard gassed everyone
0: yes i know he's a which shit even hitler wouldn't do that like so i mean not to compare our dictators but mussolini was very 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 bad and it cannot be un- understated like what a terrible move this is and what an indicator it is of the fact that we're just somehow the whole world is sort of accepting hey, you've got a new prime minister in Italy who's totally inspired by this guy.
1: He had his ex-wife declared insane and killed, and then he killed his own son. Mm. I'm sorry, I got really hung up on that. I was like, excuse me? He killed, like, he was like, this is a blotch on my, like, otherwise, you know, clean record. I have to get rid of my ex-wife and kid. Also, he married his stepsister? I mean, he was a complete... Degenerate psychopath Yes he really truly was Also I think that people forget That when Mussolini was killed The people of Italy were so Angry at him they really Like they beat up his body Before they hoisted it by the legs Up onto like a lamp post or something Like people were so fueled with
0: Anger and hate And how like just less than A hundred years on Did we come to the point where you go to Italy and you see slogans on the wall that are pro-Mussolini. If you're Italian, call in. Yeah, write to us, at gmail.com. Explain your people. <laughs> Please, we're trying to understand. And with that, I think we've done enough ranting and raving for today. Here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. I think thing one
1: is definitely be really thorough in your research. Like, if you are going to vote for someone like Meloni... And I mean, not just research on her, but if she's spouting nonsense and, like, admiration for someone, fact check, A, what she's saying, B, who she admires and why, and don't just accept things at face value, because, like, Mussolini is a little shit, and we all need to talk about how much he is a
0: little shit. So Google Mussolini. Thing two, we are living in complicated times, and it's hard being human, but... When a message sort of really speaks to you and it seems like an easy solution, question it.
1: And I think thing three should be the next time you have a political discussion or you're thinking about politics, take a step back and think about it in a more 3D view. Think about all different layers of our society and specifically in the context of class privilege, who benefits from it and who doesn't. We're really excited because next week, we're going to be talking about Bolsonaro. On the day that this episode comes out, Brazil will be voting
0: and... Fingers crossed is not that guy. Lula. Let's all hope Lula wins. I once almost died laughing when I heard that Bolsonaro was in hospital because he had the hiccups for three weeks straight. And I was like, somebody put a pox on him. <laughs> Like, that is a curse if ever I had one. So, for more exciting facts like that, join us next week. Thank yeah. you
1: for listening. Until next week, goodbye.
0: If you like this show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can
1: also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as €4 euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed.
0: For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You
1: can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, request or just to say hi, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.